Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast. As always, I am your host with the Holla French Toast, Freddie Carlson. And oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my, does it feel good to say that we are back, baby. And today, I am not alone. The boys are back together. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, joining me on the other side of the microphone is the heart of the wrestling fan base himself, Angelo Belly. Say hello to the people, Angelo. Hello, hello, everybody. It's glad I'm so glad to be back. And ladies and gentlemen, it has been a long time, hasn't it, since we've been together for an edition of the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast. The last time you heard from us was about three months ago, almost 90 days to be exact, and I'll tell you why in a second. But that is because we were hoping to come back together at the end of the summer and the beginning of a new school year, but unfortunately circumstances arise and we are not able to be we were not able to be productive at that time with the podcast but we are back and we promise you we will be getting you content we will have guests we will have episodes we will have mini series we will have so much that we are able to provide you and we can guarantee that it will all be forthcoming in the very near future but tonight angelo and i are happy to return to the podcast world they are happy to be back home where we belong and we are home with the fans the fan base, the wrestling fan base, and it is time for the fans to talk pro wrestling. As we said the last time we were together was just about 90 days ago, and it is almost 90 days to the day because the last time I was here I was solo, and I was talking about the release of Bray Wyatt from the WWE. We were talking about that, and his 90-day no-compete clause comes up and it expires tomorrow. At the time of recording at 10.30 p.m. on Thursday, October the 28th, his 90-day no-complete comes up tomorrow, Friday, October the 29th, and he's a free agent, free to sign anywhere he decides to want to do so. And so, we are here together to talk about something that's not so much fun tonight, 90 days later, and hopefully in our return, it's unfortunately a little bit of a negative, we are here to talk about Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor, which at one time was arguably the second or third largest wrestling promotion in the world. Up there with the legs of WWE and TNA Impact Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling. And after Impact Wrestling's 2010's Fall from Grace, Ring of Honor sprung itself right into that discussion for the second biggest and most inspirational and influential wrestling company in the world. And for many years, in two different instances... It featured some of the greatest talent in ring that you could find. Let's take a look at some of the superstars who have been in a Ring of Honor ring before, many of whom have been able to call themselves champions over the years. The likes of Brian Danielson, Austin Aries, Samoa Joe, C.M. Punk, Nigel McGuinness. The list is just as that list is just a small, small group. I could go on. Jerry Lynn, Low Key, Homicide, Tyler Black, now known as Seth Rollins, Roderick Strong, Eddie Edwards. Davey Richards, K 
Kevin Steen, now known as Kevin Owens, Jay Briscoe, Adam Cole, baby, Michael Elgin, Jay Lethal, Kyle O'Reilly, Christopher Daniels, Dalton Castle, and the American Nightmare, Cody, just to name a few. These are just a handful of the talented superstars to have stepped foot in a Ring of Honor ring. And why are we here tonight? Why are we here talking about Ring of Honor so suddenly when there's so many other big things going on in the wrestling world? Well, it was yesterday, Wednesday, October 27th, 2021, when Ring of Honor announced that they would be releasing all of their talent, all of their contracted employees, at the end of 2021, effectively making them free agents to sign wherever they wished. They released a statement on social media, and it was as follows, and I quote, Throughout the pandemic, our top priority was to keep everyone healthy and safe. And despite not producing any live events for over 18 months, we were able to keep everyone fully contracted. We now find ourselves at a time where we need to make changes to our business operations and our planning, a pivot for Ring of Honor with a new mission and strategy. The year will culminate with a final battle in December, and we will be taking the first quarter of 2022 to work internally to reimagine Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor has, has the most dedicated fans in the industry, and we appreciate their loyalty and patience as we reconceptualize Ring of Honor. We anticipate returning to live events in April for the Supercard of Honor with a new fan-focused product and provide a unique experience for wrestling fans. End quote. Upon hearing that news, I myself was a bit shocked, and honestly, I thought it was effectively saying they were shutting their doors for good. So I am at least relieved to hear they intend on reopening their doors in April of 2022. However, it is hard to not look at Ring of Honor and think of what could have been, but honestly, even more so, what was. In the mid-2000s, Ring of Honor was the place to go for an alternative to WWE. It was a place where if you tuned into a Ring of Honor show, you could see the most hot and up-and-coming talent in the wrestling world. Many of those names that I mentioned moments ago, who would eventually go on to places like Impact Wrestling and WWE and New Japan Pro Wrestling to find themselves in massive opportunities. And hell, even now with AEW being around... Guys have gone there and found similar success, and we are going to get to that and the and the instrumentation of AEW in my eyes the as a part of the downfall of Ring of Honor. But Angelo, I want to turn to you now, and I want to ask you a question. When you think of Ring of Honor, what is the first thing that you think of from its over twenty years of existence? What's the first thing that I think of? Yeah, when you think of Ring of Honor. What comes to your mind? Is it, so, is it a specific superstar, a specific moment, a specific feeling regarding the wrestling industry? What do you think? So, actually, I think of a few superstars because when I, literally, you, I believe you started watching Ring of Honor way before I did. I started late. I started watching it back in 2014. So, I was just scrolling on TV one night. I was 
I forgot what day of the week it was when they were on the TV. And I was just bored. And I'm like, all right, it's 1030 at night. What am I going to watch? And I saw on the on the headline, it said Ring of Honor Wrestling. I said, all right, it's wrestling. Let me see what happens. And I turned on and it was a tag team match between, I believe it was Red Dragon and the Young Bucks. And right away, instantly, I don't know what the hell it was, but I'm like, oh my God, these guys look, you know, insane. I'm looking, I'm like, this is totally different than uh, WWE uh, and Impact. I'm like, oh my God, you know, this is crazy. So I started tuning in every week after that just because of those four people. And then I got introduced to people like Adam Cole in the Kingdom, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett. I got introduced to AJ Styles again. I'm like, holy shit. I remember AJ Styles from Impact. What's he doing in Ring of Honor? Like, I didn't realize, you know, everything that happened. And then I got reintroduced to Kaz and Daniels as the addiction. And, you know, I just kept getting introduced to more and more superstars, the Briscoe brothers. And I was just like, oh, my God. Instantly, I fell in love. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is my new favorite thing to watch. So when I first started, I guess you could say it was because of the Young Bucks. And now looking back at it, it's, you know, because of them, because of Ring of Honor, really, I I opened up my opportunities to looking at something different. And I was like, you know, what else is out there? Because of Ring of Honor, I know about New Japan. I know about um, MLW. I know about AAA, and now we all know about AEW. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true, and um, it was uh, it was something for me. I don't honestly <laughs> remember the first time I watched Ring of Honor in and of itself. I was a big fan of. I, mean, I was at the time as a younger person a big fan of the Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine, and in fact, that was kind of what introduced me to independent wrestling. Because I thought at the time was only watching WWE and TNA Impact, um, but I learned about New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor through that magazine and through the opportunities that uh, you know exposing me to those guys that you just mentioned among others, and it also allowed me to realize that oh my goodness, people who were already in WWE at the time, like CM Punk, like Samoa Joe, you know the list goes on and on who are now big names because of their time in Ring of Honor, and you look back at the legacy they built for themselves there, they are literal royalty when you consider Ring of Honor. I mean, we've made a big deal in this podcast before about the Mount Rushmore of WWE, um, but if you're talking about the Mount Rushmore of Ring of Honor, I mean, honestly, that's an even harder list because of how impactful some of these guys were. I would, I mean, you could talk about Joe, Aries, Danielson, Punk, just to name four, Nigel McGuinness, Claudio Castronoli. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, yes, they go to other places, become world champions, become household names in other places as well on a bigger and better scale than they ever did. I mean, think about this. CM Punk went to Ring of Honor. He was world champion there several times. He goes to WWE. He's world champion there several times. Now he's back after seven and a half years and he's in AEW and he is probably going to be world champion one day there. And the fact that he has had such a longevity in this business stems from his his start in Ring of Honor. But I remember what really hooked me at the beginning that I can actually vividly remember of my start with Ring of Honor when I was watching Jay Lethal when he won both the uh, TV championships and the ROH world title at the same time. I remember when that happened, it was uncommon in independent wrestling, at least from what I had seen 
for someone to hold multiple belts like that. And I knew who Jay Lethal was, and I'd only known him as Black Machismo Jay Lethal when he was in TNA. Oh, boy, what a what a gimmick that was, but we will stay away from that. And he really became a company guy for Ring of Honor. He stuck around when so many other people came in, made their names, and left. And Jay Lethal was there. Jay Lethal stayed, and he was he was dedicated to the company, and he proved that he deserved to be not only the world champion, but a double champion. The first man, I believe, in history to hold both the TV and world championships simultaneously. And then I remember slowly but surely being exposed to the likes of the Bullet Club, the Young Bucks, Hangman Adam Page, Marty Skrull, Adam Cole, Kevin Steen, who is now heading over to WWE as Kevin Owens by that point. Uh, El Generico, also known as Sami Zayn, coming over to WWE at that point. And I mean, like I said, the list can go on and on. I mean, look, Ring of Honor for a very long time was the peak of a lot of things. It was the peak of pure technical wrestling. It was the peak of tag team wrestling. Think of some of the teams that have ran through Ring of Honor over the years. Just to, literally just to name a few, and I know I've done this already, but the Young Bucks, the Addiction, the Motor City Machine Guns, the Briscoe Brothers, the Hardy Boys. I mean, that is an elite class of World Tag Team Championship competitors, and I only named five teams. I could go on. But the long story short of it all is that Ring of Honor found its way into being a premier wrestling promotion because of the talent there and the dedication of the fans who watched them. And it was absolutely amazing to see that transition from an indie company that nobody knew about to this big market competitor, almost in my eyes, at least head-to-head with Impact Wrestling, and on a similar level to WWE because Ring of Honor was where people were coming from to go to WWE. You went to Ring of Honor and that's where you got your guys if you were WWE. Guys like Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish all left Ring of Honor at the same time, signed with WWE and formed the Undisputed Era together there. And later joined by a fellow Ring of Honor alum, Roderick Strong. It was unbelievable. And to me... I remember thinking to myself, this is what wrestling is about. You put on good matches, good quality television. You make me want to watch the following week. No shenanigans, no BS. And it's good. And it was good for a very long time. And I don't want to attribute Ring of Honor's success solely to a handful of competitors. The fan base and the booking were also very instrumental. But we can't doubt that Ring of Honor's initial success in the mid-2000s and then their resurgence in the 2010s really didn't stem from the quality of the competitors in which they had signed to their roster. I mean, Angelo, you what do you think? You think of, among the names that we've already talked about and those we have not, come on. Isn't that a really talented group of superstars? Oh, they, the whole locker room was stacked. They had a bunch of big names. Like, you know, like I said, back in 2014 when I started... You know, once I saw AJ Styles and Jay Lethal there and, um, you know, even Chris Saban and Alex Shelley, I'm like, all right, this has to be, you know, a really good promotion to be at. This has to be a really good company. You know, they have a de- such a dedicated fan base, like you said. And, you know, it even after the first episode, I kept tuning in every week after that. Exactly. Because 
it was not just about good wrestling. It was not just about good action. It was about quality, not quantity. WWE, one of their faults we've talked about in detail is that they try to give us so much. They overbook. They do all this stuff. That's not going to get us anywhere half the time. A 15-match WrestleMania card is going to bore the life out of you for at least half of those matches and really dull your mood for the ones that you were originally hyped for. So if I'm Ring of Honor and what I put together in my super cards, you've done an amazing job. Absolutely amazing. And what I, I truly just, I think that what needs to be done is that WWE needs to take note. They need to take note that they were at one time that same thing and that this is what fans in 2021 or even when they were happening in 2010 2015 whatever it was that's what was needed not this overbooked bs that was pg friendly i'm sorry it was never gonna get anywhere but again this is not about that this is about ring of honor so let's circle back now as i said ring of honor really had two major runs of being a quote-unquote uh independent sensation uh, it was, it, it was something to say, uh, when those guys like Punk and Danielson and Joe and Homicide were some of the guys who were running around as the main, um, as the main guys, it was so, so, uh, exciting to watch. And then there was a bit of a lull period, um, you know, in 2009 and 10 when the company was acquired by Sinclair and that initial transition was not always the best. But again, in the mid-2010s, things were resurging. And Ring of Honor quickly became another a sensation once again. Not to say that anything in that in-between was bad, it's just that it wasn't as popular in terms of the mainstream as it was previous and after. And I think a lot of that has to do in part with, with the involvement of groups like the Bullet Club and the success of people like Cody Rhodes, Hangman Adam Page, and the Young Bucks, and by extension, Kenny Omega and the New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, working initiative that the companies had together. And now this is going to circle around to um, 2019. January 1st, 2019, when the clock struck midnight, the Young Bucks, Hangman Adam Page, and Cody Rhodes made the announcement to the world that all elite wrestling, AEW, was coming. And effectively saying that they were not renewing their contracts with Ring of Honor and they were all leaving at the same time. And they were followed behind by several other big names like the like SCU, Frankie Kazarian, Christopher Daniels, and Scorpio Sky. And with the departure of some of Ring of Honor's top talent, it saw what many fans considered to be a decline. And... You know, they were trying their best to stay alive and keep things, you know, um, keep things hot, so to speak. But the world champion, Matt Taven, wasn't connecting with the fans because everyone really just wasn't vibing with it. I love Matt Taven, but I don't know if being world champion was exactly what was best for him. They were having a lot of trouble with their head booker. Uh, Joey Mercury was in there for a while. Marty Skrull. Uh, you know, Marty Skrull ended up being removed because of the speaking out movement that took place. Um, but then they reinstated the pure championship by means of trying to really get the fans from back in the day back involved. But what really put the nail in the coffin was, um, COVID-19 and the pandemic. Ring of Honor postponed all live events for 18 months, as they said in their statement. 
they would resume television tapings in an empty arena, uh, but it was just not. Eh, it was not the same. I tuned into a couple of matches and I couldn't watch any of it. It was so depressing. I mean, WWE had a tough time with the with the pandemic live shows in the in the performance center. AEW did too, but they found ways to work around it. They put plants in the crowd. They tried to make it less uh, less about the dead air and more about the wrestling. But Ring of Honor, I don't know. It just didn't feel that way. I couldn't connect with the wrestling, and I don't know what it was. I couldn't put my finger on it. So now back to you, Angelo, and my question for you this time is, first off with AEW's formation, do you think that was almost like the first death blow to Ring of Honor? And now by no means is this saying Ring of Honor is dead now. I'm just saying in the terms of a quote-unquote decline that they've had in the last couple of years, do you think AEW's formation and them taking away so many of their big names, did that play a big part in Ring of Honor's change? I believe it was, only because, you know, you look at it as, all right, you had basic, you had the whole Bullet Club there, right? Everybody tune in because of them. Everybody knows the Young Bucks are known for the super kick party and everything. You know, that was one of the hot things from Ring of Honor. You bring someone like Cody in, him versus Lethal, that was a huge draw. You bring Kenny Omega in, you bring Hangman Page back in. Adam Cole, for the time that he was part of the Bullet Club, that was, oh my God, that was amazing, the super click and everything. But, you know, then you have Cody win the world title, and then he drops it to Dalton Castle. You know, that was a great feud and everything. But then, you know, you fast forward and it's, okay, like you said, the clock struck, the clock struck midnight, and... You have four people already announcing we're not resigning with the company. We're starting our own. Soon to be followed by a handful of other stars. And you lose probably one of the best parts of your roster. You lose the people that brought more fans in. You know, Cody, an ex-WWE guy, everybody's going to follow where he's going because they want to see what's next for him. So for me, that was one of the, I don't want to say the, the nail in the coffin, but it was one of those. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the the casual fan was not going to be as invested as the diehard fan. And the diehard fans were going to follow the big names because that's what they do. The casual fans don't tune in to watch mediocre wrestling. If the big names aren't there, they're just not going to tune in. And the diehard fans, some of them may watch both or may stick around, but how many of them are going to do that when guys like Adam Cole and... Kyle O'Reilly went to WWE. I was there the night that Adam Cole debuted in NXT and attacked Drew McIntyre. Everyone in that building was essentially a Ring of Honor fan in a a, a WWE shirt. And honestly, not even. There was a lot of people in in Ring of Honor shirts for Adam Cole, hoping that he would debut and that the rumors would be true. But he, he showed up and that place went nuts because the diehard fans were there. And I don't want to say that him leaving was such a massive blow at the time, but let's be honest, and let's call a spade a spade. Ring of Honor lost some fans that day because Adam Cole was no longer there. And consent, uh, and, and um, considerably similar is the idea of what happened when the Bucks and Cody and SCU and, and Hangman Page left the company in 2019. AEW 
shot itself into the contention of being another big-name promotion alongside the WWE, while Ring of Honor started to see itself fade back. And of course, New Japan Pro Wrestling kept its name in the hunt because of the absolute sheer amounts of talent that compete in New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's absolutely insane. And then on top of all of that, Impact Wrestling decided after probably half a decade of obscurity to say, hey, we want in on the fun, and started signing big-name free agents that were released from the WWE. And all of a sudden, the Good Brothers and... uh, you know, William Morrissey and Matt Cardona, Brian Myers, they're showing up in Impact. Now, even more recently, you know, Heath, but even more recently with the Inspiration, formerly known as the Iconics, won the Impact, the, the, the Knockouts Tag Team titles in their debut match. Impact is putting on what they can consider to be the best that they can. Rich Swan was world champion. Rich Swan, who was a nothing guy in WWE all things considered outside of one Cruiserweight title reign and an appearance in the Cruiserweight Classic, went to Impact Wrestling and became world champion and competed in the first major part of the Forbidden Door being broken down in the cross-promotional winner-take-all title-for-title match with Kenny Omega at Rebellion in April. And it was unbelievable. Impact Wrestling shot itself into contention for that name again, especially with their promotion, their cross-promotional relationship with both AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I'm sorry, but Ring of Honor just kind of fell behind and couldn't compete because the talent was good, but it wasn't the level of main event status that Impact and New Japan and especially AEW and honestly, even the NWA was putting forth. And not having a national TV deal of any kind and just being on Sinclair television, it just doesn't help. It really doesn't. I love Ring of Honor. I have since day one. But it, it hurts to see this have to happen. I don't ever like to see a wrestling promotion go under. And while this technically isn't them fully going under, you kind of get that feeling of, are they going to come back? Is there going to be anything there for them when they want to come back in April? Will the money be there? Will the fans be there? Will people want to work for this company knowing that there's a chance they could lose their job at any moment? Their entire roster got released yesterday. That is unheard of for a company that's not about to shut its doors. And if this is the end of Ring of Honor, I, I truly am heartbroken because it's it's sad. Because Ring of Honor is so good in our memories. Like we think of peak TNA, peak a, uh, WWE wrestling... Yeah, we think of the the mid two thousands for TNA. We think of the Attitude Era for WWE. We think of the two spells of Ring of Honor. But unfortunately, in twenty twenty one, heading into twenty twenty two, it just doesn't feel the same anymore. Unfortunately, and I think Angelo, you'll agree with me when I say I hope that Ring of Honor comes back. I hope that they are better than they've ever been and that they can rebound to at least a level of respectability in the wrestling industry i'm not saying they need to go and try and compete with the big boys right off of the bat after a four or five month hiatus no they need to come back and just show the wrestling world that ring of honor is just as damn good now as it was 20 years ago when they started in february of 2002 they have the opportunity to do something great rebrand Restart, refresh, 
And I hope that that's what happens rather than a complete shutdown before we get there. Any other thoughts or comments on Ring of Honor? Just like you said, I hope that they, you know, I hope they come back come April because, like you said, it is heartbreaking and everything considered. You know, if they if they do come back, you know, what's going to happen with the talent? You know, they're like you said, they're going to be wondering, you know, are we going to lose our job tomorrow or are we going to stay? Yeah. And I saw something last night, actually, because I was at work when I saw it. Like, I was just getting notifications left and right about it. I'm like, holy shit, they're about to shut their doors. But then I saw they're taking a hiatus. But one thing that caught my eye was that... I think it was superstars that were under contract until the end of January get paid until the end of March. So if they're shooting to come back in April, I think that some talent, I mean, I don't know who the, who the talent specifically are, but if there are huge names like lethal and Kenny King and Matt Taven and Mike Bennett, who they're like pillars in ring of honor, for the past however so many years that they've been a part of it, maybe they might just say, you know what? Screw it. We're going to gamble and we're going to we're gonna stay with them until something happens. If they're the ones that are under contract and getting paid until March, if they come back for super for a super card in April, I would love to see more than just those four names there. I think that super card can go one of two ways, and I don't want to assume because it's obviously too soon. <laughs> I think it could either be a celebration of the greatness of Ring of Honor, and even if it's the last hurrah, even if it doesn't exceed that night, at least they have that moment. One last hurrah in the sun. They have. I think that the perfect place to do it would be in the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. And if not there... The 2300 Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The old ECW Arena. Two arenas that Ring of Honor have ran hundreds of times and have sold out. I went to the Hammerstein Ballroom for Final Battle 2017. That place. I've been to a lot of wrestling shows in my life. I've been to house shows. I've been to um, pay-per-views. I've been to TV tapings. And I've been to WrestleMania. And I will tell you right now, that was arguably the most rabid, hot crowd I have ever been a part of because every single entrance, heel or face, big name, small name, main event, opener, pre-show, it didn't matter who you were. You got an ovation because Ring of Honor gives a crap about their, their fans give a crap about their company, about the superstars, and about the people that they are here paying to watch. And they know that these guys are giving it their all because they don't know if there's a tomorrow. It's not like WWE where you're under contract and you're going to come back tomorrow and work the next house show and do the next loop and face the next opponent and have the next story as shitty as it may end up being because you're working for the E, at least for now. But Ring of Honor, guys, they could work one bad match and that could be it. They could be done. They might not get another chance. They don't always work under contract. They may work on match-per-match deals. Especially these younger, up-and-coming guys. You Maybe not the Cody's and the Bucks and the Pages of the world. But I watched a match that night with... Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, it, was a, it was a tag. I think it was... Was it Rapungi 3K? I don't know if the interpromotional uh, exchange was still going on with New Japan. Point being, it was a team that wasn't from America. They were a foreign team who was here and they competed that night. And it was amazing to see 
how the fans respected them, and they were not big names at all in the States. Wherever they came from, I don't know if it was Japan or Mexico, and I apologize for not knowing it off the top of my head, we all still respected them. If they were in WWE, they would be the glorified jobber that Braun Strowman was going to eat on his way to the ring, a la James Ellsworth. (laughs) So my point being, Ring of Honor fans have always been the most passionate I have ever seen from in person. I've been to WWE shows. I've been to indie shows. I've been to AEW now after we went to Dynamite uh, two months ago. No, a little over a month ago. And I've been to one Ring of Honor show, and that Ring of Honor show blows away almost any crowd I've been a part of. If not every crowd. Take over take over 2017 in Brooklyn, being arguably the only exception when Adam Cole came out. So my point being, to circle us back to the end here, I feel bad that Ring of Honor is possibly going to have to shut its doors, and I really hope that they don't. I hope that they come back and they have that super card for one last hurrah. I hope it doesn't become... To become, the other, I said there might be two possibilities of what that show could be, and I only explained the first. That second option could be, in my eyes, it's a shell of what Ring of Honor once was, and I really hope that we avoid that. I'd hate to see a company so well-beloved by its fans die a slower, pain, more painful death on national pay-per-view because they can't pull it together at least one more time. I really hope we get that first option. And if even if it doesn't mean an extended run or another chance to try to be a regular promotion again... I just hope that Ring of Honor finds its way to bounce back. Because, damn it, I need it. We need it. The wrestling world needs it. That code of honor means a lot to us all. And I hope that we get it back soon. Any parting words, Angelo? Well, that reaction says it all. So, with with that being said, I would like to say Thank you all to our wonderful listeners for joining us once again on the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast. We apologize again for the delay, and we hope, boy do we hope, that we can make this more frequent. We have a lot of good ideas, and we want to get them rolling out. It's just a matter of time. We promise you that much. But it is nice to say that the boys were back tonight in full force, a team united to talk about the greatest genre in the world, sports and I'm kidding. Professional wrestling. I almost said sports entertainment. I would rather cry than say that because it's not. It's professional wrestling, damn it. It is professional wrestling. And I would dare anyone to tell me otherwise. It is the best damn sport in the world. It's professional wrestling. And so on behalf of my wonderful associate and friend, Angelo, on the other side of the microphone, the heart of the wrestling fan base... Once again, I am your host with the Hall of French Toast, Freddie Carlson. And I tell you all, from the bottom of my heart, we thank you, we love you. Please like, share, and subscribe. We will see you all very soon. And always remember to never be afraid to be a fan. So long, everyone. We will see you all soon.